Girl on Purpose Radio, episode number 32. Welcome back to another episode of Girl on Purpose Radio. My name is Vivian Tenorio. I am the former CEO of Signature Flan, turned radio and TV host. And each and every weekday, you are given the opportunity to join me and my amazing guest as we share our spirited stories of our successes, our failures, as well as incredible tips and insights for starting a business and finding fulfillment. We are definitely opening up our playbooks and paving the way for you to take our lead. Thank you for spending this time with me. Now let's get started. Hello, hello, my beautiful people. On today's show, I am interviewing Irene Costello. She is a co-founder of Effie's Homemade. You guys may have seen her products in the grocery store. She is all over the country, and she is collecting Sophie trophies like there is no tomorrow. They have a long, long list of awards for their products, so you guys are going to get some really good tips and insights from her. She shares some really great stories, as well as some of her best tips for expanding and launching a business. So you guys are in for a treat today. Stick around all the way to the end because we have a giveaway. All right, here you guys go. Enjoy the interview. All right, Irene, welcome to our show. Thank you, Vivian. Thank you for having me. We are so excited to have you guys on the show today. So I want to jump right into the interview and I'd like for you to share your story and give us a little bit of background on how you guys started the company and maybe if you can bring us to current day and how you guys are doing today, that would be great. So uh, my business partner is Joan McIsaac and she uh, wasn't able to join us tonight. Um, she and I started Effie's Homemade uh, just about six years ago. We launched our first product, Effie's Oatcakes. And um, it's uh, our flagship and very you know, wildly popular product, um, and it's actually a recipe that her mother brought down from Nova Scotia um, almost 60 years ago. Um, it's something that Joan grew up with as a child and always loved it, and when she became a um, pretty well-known chef in the Boston area, um, she loved to make these oat cakes in her catering shop, and they were really popular. So we knew we had something that was really popular and a, you know, a, a good product to start with. Um, Joan and I actually went to high school together. Uh, so we've known each other for many years. I'm not going to tell you exactly how many. Um, <laughs> but we've known each other for many years. I was in the uh, financial services world for uh, you know, a good 20 years. And I was looking to make a change and, uh, you know, getting to sort of a milestone birthday um, a few years ago and realized I didn't want to reach the next milestone and still be in financial services. So I had a great career, but I knew I had to make a change. And just just the world of food kept coming back to me. Um, And uh, I found a program um, in Boston, a master's degree at Boston University. And I started taking courses there in gastronomy, and I absolutely loved it. And I knew, okay, I don't know how this is going to work or play out, but I know this is this is it. This is the passion, and I just followed it. And um, in the course of going through that program, a mutual friend of Joan and mine uh, said, "Oh, you should talk to Joan McGuire. She went through that program a couple of years ago too." 
So I reached out to her, and that's how we reconnected. And, um, you know, a couple of years went by, and we stayed in touch, and I did some work with her in her catering shop. And, um, you know, she approached me and liked what I was saying and sort of the direction I was thinking, had a couple of ideas for businesses after I got out of the gastronomy program. And um, we worked on a couple of business plans, and Effie's and wholesaling her mother's oat cakes was one of them. And that's the one that we finally we launched. Yeah, I love that you guys have known each other for so long. That you, yeah, that's yeah. not, you know, that yeah. common, and that's great that, you know, you guys are friends from high school. That's really cool. Thanks. I can imagine it is a scary step to step out of a 20-year career mm-hmm. into food and retail. Mm-hmm. So how did, I mean, did that, was that just over time you were just like, this is it, I'm going to do it? Or was it just one day you're like, I can't do this anymore? Like, how did you take that step? Because we have a lot of listeners that are kind of at the cubicle daydreaming about, you know, that cupcake that I make, I want to sell it. But they're so, you know, it's a hard step to make. So how did, how, what, how did you find the courage to make that step? It was slow uh, for me. It It happened over probably a couple of years. I started taking the courses and uh, at Boston University, and I just loved them. I, I knew somehow I had found, I, I was changing, I was getting on the right path. But I still didn't know where that was going to lead. I had a few ideas for, um, biz, you know, some business ideas. Um, I knew I didn't want to be a restaurant chef. But I did want some culinary training. And so at one point in the master's program, I was able to take um, the certificate in culinary arts uh, program. And that was a semester long. And I approached my manager um, at the bank, and and I asked uh, for a leave of absence, and they gave it to me. And when I went into the culinary program, I took a six-month leave of absence, and I just never went back. I knew at that point somehow I had to make make this work. And um, I wasn't quite sure yet, but I was fortunate because I, I had a chance working in the financial services and got to a certain level where – and I was in sales um, – that I had made enough money that I knew I could – you know, uh, it was, gave me a good cushion. Yeah, I love that, that you, you know, kind of followed your instinct. You knew, you weren't sure of what mm-hmm. this was, where this was going to lead, but you kind of believed in yourself and you, that passion was calling you and, and you followed right. through. Yeah, that's yeah. great. So that's right. you guys have an idea. Um, you have her mother's recipe. How do you go from an idea to your first retailer? We had started a couple other business plans, and this was the, the – the one that we said, okay, let's pull this one off the back burner. Like, you know, we were looking around and everybody was, you know, there were a lot of success stories, but neither one of us in in food retailing or food, you know, um, wholesaling, but neither one of us had a retail background and had never sold into a retail. John was a chef and I was coming from financial services and kind of new into food. But, you know, I just looked at it one day and said, you know, how hard can it be? Be arrogant, but it's like we're smart. We'll figure it out, and so we just we did. And I kind I have a background in product development from a business standpoint and and uh, business planning and development. So I kind of brought that to the table. And Joan, of course, you know she's 
a genius and <laughs> um, you know with her uh, recipe development and um, as a chef and uh, we just we just kind of plowed through and figured it out and um, yeah we, they always tell you do a business plan and that just comes easy to me anyway so um, I know how to do marketing plans and, and business development plans. So we do. So, we just like, okay, what do we need to know about getting into the retail business? Right. What's next? Yeah. So you mm-hmm. just took it just one step at a time. Yes. But I, I will say also, we are so very, very fortunate uh, very early on um, to be able to tap into people who had done it before that we knew. Uh, we have um, very good friends who were, um, you know, founded a, another successful banking baking company in Boston, and uh, they were more than happy to give us some coaching and, and help. And another friend that we had met at um, the Fancy Food Show uh, had really great experience in consumer products uh, market, and um, she was willing to, you know, sit down with us and really think through. So. Reaching out and finding people and networking um, and finding people who can help you through is just absolutely critical. You, you can't do it, everything on your own. So go out and find the people that have the expertise and just ask them if you can have 20 minutes of their time and only take 20 minutes of their time. <laughs> you mentioned this a little bit earlier. You guys have a product that is just amazing. I mean, I... I saw that you guys won gold again this summer. Right. You guys are winning these Sophie's like <laughs> you guys are born for this. That's right. <laughs> I am so happy for you. you guys are collecting these statues. All you must have them all over the place. And they look good too. They look really I good. I love art. it. Every time I look at your pictures, like at the trade shows, I'm like, look at them. They're just stacking <laughs> them up. <laughs> so what does that do? What does a Sophie do for your business? Um, the Sophie Awards give you uh, validation. You know that that uh, you, you know the judges are uh, you know the best of the best in the in the specialty retail um, food trade. Um, the first round of judging is um, chefs, noted chefs, uh, food writers, journalists, and really really key retailers, and they come in for the first round and they judge probably thousands of products across you know, 50 or 30 categories. So even just to get through that first round is amazing. It's just really amazing. Especially, um, you know, the cookie and cracker categories are highly, highly competitive, probably the most competitive. Um, and then the, the second round of judging at the summer show, the, the judges are the retailers themselves. So, you know, that's a validation that, you know, your your stores that you're in love your product. And um, it's it just, you know, catapults you into, you know, an area of recognition that, you know, it's very um, rewarding. How many do you have now? We have two gold and um, four or five silvers. Wow. (laughs) That is so great. That is so great. Okay. So for someone out there who is thinking of starting, maybe want to sell their cookie to a retailer, what advice would you give to someone in the beginning on a budget? What advice would you give them as far as... Oh, yeah. Definitely on a budget, too. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as 
spend money here, don't spend money here. You know, in the beginning, you get a little crazy, and you're like, oh, I'll, I'll put all my money, you know, into advertising, or I'll put all my money into this. So right. is there anything that you think this was worth the money in the beginning? Um, you have to just get into the retailers, and it's one store at a time. Um, so we knew for oat cakes. Nobody knew what an oat cake was. And we knew um, our local market around Boston. We knew the stores that we wanted to be in. And we also knew that going through a distributor in, in our learning about the supply chain and, and you know the, the different levels of buying and sales channels, we just didn't think a distributor was going to pick us up right away because we only had one product and nobody knew what it was. So there, and there was a lot of education and hand-holding that went into it. So Joan and I devised a plan, and because I had a sales background, and, you know, it comes naturally to me, we, um, we just started, put together a calling plan and, and called the stores ourselves. And we went direct to the retailers. The independent specialty food retailers, that's what makes them special, you know, the relationships that they have with their uh, food vendors, their, their manufacturers. and. So they're very open to working direct with uh, new and exciting companies and products. We did, and before we knew it, we were in 100 stores, and then we were in 200 stores. And then we got into Whole Foods in our region, and Whole Foods said, well, that's great, but we want you to work with this distributor. And they put us with the distributor, and then we started slowly getting into more and more distributors, and they started picking us up. So now we have this balance of working direct and working through distributors um, around the country. It's a balance. Um, yeah. Some people say, I want to go just work only with distributors, and I want these. I don't, I don't have you know, the, the um, capability to do my own fulfillment. I like the large orders. But you know, Joan and I just had a personal decision that we want to know who our customers are. We want to have relationships with the consumer, with our retailers, and also with the distributors. So we kind of keep this balance of all three. It works for us. Yeah, so, yeah, it's uh, it's working very well for you guys. <laughs> so it's it's obviously some great advice to follow. So kind of staying with the same idea, somebody that's just starting out and on a budget. I know you guys attend a lot of trade shows and festivals. Would that be worth the investment just right out of the gate? Definitely festivals, any kind of public event to get your product into the consumer. You want to get the consumer you know, loving your product and creating that, that pull. You know, so the consumer will then ask, where can I find this? And you have a store list and you send them to your stores. Um, so absolutely any kind of a public event is always a great thing to do. Um, as far as the trade shows, I wouldn't do a trade show right away. I wouldn't do the fancy food show right away. Go to walk the show, take their courses. Uh, they've got great educational courses on everything from, you know, what the, the, the ABCs of starting your own food business to pricing and financial planning and, um, distribution. And, that was a great thing. We did that um, the first year, and then we walked the show twice before we actually ended up uh, taking the plunge and, and doing our first show. 
you pick up a lot when you're walking through that show. You're kind of getting a feel of how this is going to go down. Oh, absolutely. And and how should we design our booths? Right. Right. I'm like, what kind of booth space do we have? You've got the 10 by 10 that's surrounded by a black curtain. How are we going to make this, you know, transform the space into our brand? So you get a lot of ideas. Thinking back five years, what has been, in your eyes, the biggest business mistake that you guys have made? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, probably the biggest one we ever made was we kind of got um, all excited about volume pricing. Oh, my gosh, if we buy 2,000 of these boxes, we'll we'll save, you know, 15 cents a box. So we did. (laughs) And... um, it took us a long time to go through those shipping cases. <laughs> and then right then we had sort of changed our packaging and our shape. It's like all these boxes were hanging around. We just like stacks and stacks of these cases. And it took us a while to work through it, a lot longer than we thought. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, just story. be realistic about what you're actually going to sell. And don't chase the volume trying to get your, cog- your cost of goods down. Um, buy what you need because you're putting a lot of cash up front for packaging and, and inventory. Greatest business decision that you guys have made that kind of changed the game for you guys? Like what was the decision that you guys thought that that decision right there that we made going that route changed it mm-hmm. all? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Um, well, we were starting when we started very, very early. We were uh, working in a friend's pie shop after hours doing, you know, everything was very, very manual. And, you know, we have this product that needs to be rolled out. And we stumbled upon uh, a piece of equipment that changed the production capacity um, and was a different kind of equipment than we had anticipated needing to, to, to source. And it actually allowed us it just completely changed our, our production ability um, and helped us scale up our business very, very quickly without making a huge investment. Because the other good decision we um, made is, you know, not trying to build out our own kitchen. We only had one product, and, um, you know, we didn't think we would have a lot of um, interest in investors to go and build out yet another commercial kitchen. So we found some people to help us make the product and find the equipment um, that met our specs, and that helped us really scale up very, very quickly. So then we also realized that with our first product, the O-Cakes, we had kind of stumbled upon um, a a niche um, with this sort of cookie-cracker hybrid. And um, we decided, because we had had found this piece of equipment, that... um, yeah, we we had many other product ideas after the oat cakes, but we decided to really focus on this cookie cracker hybrid, and we built out um, the, our expanded our our um, biscuit product line using the same equipment instead of switching right away to um, another type of product, baked good product like a cracker um, that would have required completely different machinery. So we really kind of built up a line. Um, of biscuits using the same production methods that just, you know, really, again, helped us scale up the business and introduce a lot quicker new products. You guys are just super sharp ladies <laughs> over there. <laughs> That's, I love it. I love it. You guys are doing such a great job. 
Thanks. So you and Joan have known each other since high school. How do you guys still are still friends after a business? It's there's a lot of stress and certainties that come with being an entrepreneur. How do you guys Oh yeah. As friends, as business partners, how do you guys balance the stress and all that that comes with it? Well, I'll tell you, very differently now for me than when I was younger. Um, you lose I mean, you you learn over time that you can't control everything. And you have to learn to give up some control. Um, and, you know, at the same time, um, you know, just very early on in the Effie days, it was very, for me personally, it was frightening uh, because I was making a huge, fin- taking a huge financial risk. Um, so, you know, I, I felt the fear. <laughs> yeah. I felt the, the financial fear, and um, it was pretty scary. And I had to kind of force myself to just stay focused, be mindful that you know, like this is where you are. The, these are the lessons you have to learn. We also started the company right on the eve of the, the financial crisis, and we oh, both there was a moment, and you know, an aha moment where Joan and I were just sitting, you know, staring at each other in our brand new, you know, just moved into our offices. And, you know, the, the stock market was crashing. We're like, oh, should we do this? Is this the right time? And it's like, yeah, do it. You know, people and friends who had given us some great advice told us, people, you know, you've got a really great product. You've got an excellent, excellent story. And, you know, it's, it's delicious. It's a winner. Go for it. Because people will always want to buy great food. And we we did. We we moved forward and we figured, you know what? If we can be successful in in a you know, the worst depression since the, you know, thirties, then you know, it just helps you be sharper and not make stupid mistakes. Our world is changing every day. Mm-hmm. How is how much is social media part of your business now? How are you guys really involved in social media to spread the word? Um Social media is hard to to measure, uh, but it's like any marketing. You know, we do it. We do Facebook. We're on Pinterest. We're on, we tweet. Um, you know, we do. We're doing all the things that we're supposed to be doing. Um, we could probably be doing it better, and um, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of phone calls from social media experts um, <laughs> <laughs> after this. But uh, you know, it it's. It's not sales, though. You know, you still have to go out and get the sale. You still exactly. have to go out and, you know, make an excellent product. And the social media helps you, you know, reach more people and spread the word and get the word of, you know, the word of mouth. Get right. it out there faster. Right, right. But it's still important to get in front of buyers and get in front of customers and have them oh, taste absolutely. your product. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not sales. It's not sales. It's marketing. Right, right, yeah, right. Difference. Thank you for coming on the show. That is all I have for you today. Can you tell our listeners how they can find you? Oh, sure. Um, we're at effieshomemade.com, and on Facebook, it's Effie's Homemade, and on Twitter, it's Effie's Homemade, E-F-F-I-E-S, Homemade. Okay, perfect. Well, I okay. appreciate it again, and, and thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Girl on Purpose. I hope that you have enjoyed my interview with Irene. I had a really nice time chatting with her. She was 
a doll to talk to so you guys don't forget to stop by my website there in the show notes I will have all of the details you guys need to enter that giveaway and you guys uh, definitely want to stop by and enter this giveaway her products are amazing and if you have not tried them before this is a great way for you to try them all right so thank you guys for coming back I will see you guys tomorrow